part of our centenary celebrations, we've been reflecting on some of the JNNP's landmark papers. This includes the 1960 description by Chaim Isaac, a South African neurologist, who described a syndrome of continuous muscle activity. Today, the syndrome which he gave his name to is an example of one of the many neurological disorders which interface with psychiatry, immunology and cancer. Rick Turbon, who is a member of the JNNP editorial board, co-authored a recent 2020 Vision article reflecting back on this paper. Rick is able to provide a unique and personal perspective as he's someone who's lived with Isaac syndrome for many years and he joins me today to discuss this. So many thanks uh, for joining us uh, on today's podcast, Rick. Thanks for having me. Uh, I want to ask you to start by telling us a little about the early symptoms you had and the problems you faced in getting the right diagnosis. Yes, um, prior to Isaac syndrome, I, I would walk five to six kilometres every day. I started to notice my feet would drop. I was tripping over as I stepped over curbs. My calves were very painful, generating a lot of heat. At the same time, being very stiff, the calves were very pronounced and would not relax. As months went on, the calves became so stiff, it was hard to walk. After getting out of bed, I would often fall over until I stretched my legs. Prior to Isaac syndrome, I would walk five or six kilometres every day. I started to notice my feet would drop, which was very concerning. I was, I was tripping over as I stepped over curbs. My calves were very painful, generating a lot of heat and, uh, and also sweating. At the same time, being very stiff, the calves were very pronounced and would not relax. As the months went on, the calves became so stiff, it was often hard to walk after getting out of bed and I would often fall over until I stretched my legs. I also started getting a pulsating in my throat that would make me dry reach. I could actually see my Adam's apple pulsating when I looked in the mirror. I know this sounds bizarre, but I would wake feeling as though I had had a fit of some description. I also felt very tired and unrested. So that broad uh, constellation of symptoms, I think, can uh, often be uh, a little bit overwhelming for both you and indeed uh, clinicians in terms of figuring out what's um, causing the problem. And I know you had some difficulties in getting uh, a correct diagnosis. So can you tell us a little bit about the uh, diagnostic journey that you went through? Yes, yes, I certainly struggled getting a diagnosis. It was very difficult as no one would believe my symptoms. My wife was told by one neurologist that I should be admitted for psychiatric treatment. This was just after he performed an EMG. It was not until Professor Keenan performed an EMG that he recognised the telltale signs of Isaac syndrome. This was the third EMG I had had. In January 2008, I had become extremely concerned that no one in the medical profession could accept or recognise my symptoms. I was extremely distressed and in body-wide pain. I had seriously considered taking my own life. My wife was lucky enough to get me an appointment with a very experienced neurologist, Professor Michael Anthony. After a thorough examination, he recognised fasciculations in my calves and other parts of my body. He told me he thought he knew what the problem was. I was referred to Professor Matthew Keenan at Prince of Wales Hospital, where I was admitted. This is where I had 
the third EMG, and Professor Keenan and his team recognised and diagnosed me with Isaac syndrome. But there are other symptoms other than stiffness, such as de- delayed muscle relaxation, exercise intolerance, tiredness, hyperhidrosis, fasciculations, and toe clawing. So Rick, the diagnostic journey was long and difficult and filled with difficult moments for you, but getting the correct diagnosis has meant access to therapies and treatments, and that's an important point for the listenership to remember, that this is a treatable illness, and has led to um, some improvements for you. So can you tell us a little bit about the situation you currently find yourself in after getting this diagnosis? Yes, receiving a diagnosis allowed me to try and work around the symptoms. I cut my daily physical activities, purchased an electric scooter that allowed me to travel around my suburb, still having some social interaction. You're very isolated in a normal vehicle. The treatments I've received, plasma exchange, rituximab, as well as Tegretol, gabapentin, prednisolone, Botox, have all helped to deal with the symptoms. I still have to watch my physical activities, although at the moment I'm living almost a normal life. So also very lucky to have the other co-authors of this Vision 2020 article to provide some additional commentary on this reflection. Uh, we're joined also by Associate Professor Susanna Park and Professor Matthew Kiernan. Associate Professor Park and Professor Kiernan are both members of the Sydney Medical School and Brain and Mind Centre at the University of Sydney. So turning to you first, uh, Susanna, it's been um, many years since this original description by Hayam Isaac, so perhaps you could give us a brief overview of the key milestones uh, in our understanding of this illness since that original 1960s paper. So 60 years ago, Isaacs published a series of case reports of patients uh, with what is now known as Isaac syndrome in JNMP. And there really has been uh, quite a lot of uh, knowledge uh, in those 60 years. And I guess one of the seminal moments was the discovery um, by the team of uh, Newsom, Davis and um, Vincent of the immunological basis for this disorder. And that really has led to the discovery of effective treatments and and really changed our understanding of this neurological disorder. So as the title of your review paper suggests, this condition, Isaac syndrome, goes beyond just a problem with muscle. Uh, Can you tell us some of the other key clinical features that clinicians should be thinking of when considering a diagnosis of Isaac syndrome? So Isaac syndrome, in addition to the characteristic changes in muscle, there's also a spectrum of uh, autonomic and central nervous system changes. Uh, So patients experience a a whole host of symptoms associated with disorder, uh, including uh, sensory disturbance, uh, excessive sweating, uh, anxiety, mood disturbance, and uh, insomnia and psychiatric features as well. And finally, Susanna, many of us recognise that this condition is associated with autoantibodies, but increasingly we recognise an overlap with cancers as well. Could you maybe just give us a little bit of an overview of the interaction between autoimmunity and and cancer uh, associated with uh, Isaac syndrome? 
So there is actually quite a prominent association of Isaac syndrome with cancer. So around 21 to 25% of patients have a history of a recent tumour. And obviously there's a lot of perineoplastic disorders. So there's really a spectrum of uh, involvement in, in Isaac syndrome that we really don't know a lot about uh, the causes. In fact, only a proportion of patients have a recognised autoantibody uh, in Isaac syndrome. So there's still a lot more discovery uh, to be ongoing in terms of new antibody targets and, and how this association with malignancy um, actually operates. I'm also pleased to be joined by Professor Matthew Kiernan, who as well as co-authoring this article is also the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery and Psychiatry. And it seems timely to um, have Matthew on to discuss the importance of this retrospective series of publications which have helped define our understanding of many neurological illnesses over the last hundred years. So a warm welcome to you, Matthew, and uh, thanks for explaining why it is you've put together this fantastic review of the journal's uh, landmark papers. Thanks, Colin. It's really, I think, a magnificent opportunity to celebrate all of the, the great advances that have occurred in the clinical neurosciences, some of which have been published in the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery and Psychiatry. So I think from its very humble beginnings, Kinnear Wilson being the, the first movement disorders physician and taking his sort of colleagues, particularly based through Queen Square in London, to try and understand the basic physiology of disease and pathophysiology. And over the years, JNMP has really published some citation classics from, uh, you know, considerations of mood disturbance. One article has had almost 20,000 citations through to the case report, which includes the Hilmi Ayam Isaac's uh, description of Isaac syndrome. And I think that we've really seen the, the basics of a, a condition explained. The clinical phenotype, JNMP has always been very focused on the clinical presentations and the implications. It's really the, the neurologist's journal. And I think it's been great to see now with technology coming in through neurology, all of the success stories that we have in treatments. And we're trying to, in, in addition to celebrating the the past archive of JNMP over the last 100 years, we're looking to the future and the, and the therapeutic explosion that has happened across the clinical neurosciences. So JNMP is really the, the only journal that covers clinical neurology, neurosurgery and psychiatry. And I think that to try and celebrate that 100 years, we've also put a, uh, a vote on the JNMP website where you can go and consider what are the greatest advances, be it the discovery of dopamine therapy for Parkinson's disease, the advance in treatments in multiple sclerosis, deep brain stimulation. I mean, the, the various um, conditions and therapies is, is truly amazing. And it's great to have had the opportunity in this year, 2020, with all of the weird things that have been going on, to really have a chance to celebrate great success, which I think uh, is reflected through JNMP. Thanks, Matthew. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast, and I want to thank my guests, uh, Professor Matthew Kiernan, Associate Professor Susanna Park, and in particular, uh, Rick Thurbon, who's provided a real-world ex lived experience of uh, Isaac Syndrome, which I hope many of you will uh, take away and will improve your understanding and awareness of this condition. And a reminder to you all that 
both the review article and the original 1960 paper is available to download at the JNNP website for free now. Until next time, thanks and goodbye.